your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. few verses of scripture beginning at verse 1 the Apostle Paul writes and he says brethren my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. If you skip down to verse 8, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'm going to ask you, as I have done prior, would you just stretch your hand this direction? Pray God's anointing and blessing over the ministry of the word this morning. Could I hear you pray with me? Father, we just come together in your presence at this very important time of the service i believe the table has been set for the word of god to go forth and lord i acknowledge today that i do not have the ability to communicate this word that i just as soon lay down this microphone and walk off this stage unless the holy spirit touches me and equips me to share this gospel i am an ambassador for christ and Lord, I'm asking you today to, to use me, to speak to every ear to hear and every heart to receive the word of God today. May lives be changed and hearts be transformed by the power of the gospel. We thank you and we praise you for these blessings in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. I want to speak on getting saved and staying saved. The most important topic ever discussed from any pulpit in any church or chapel is this subject this morning. No other subject affects our past more than salvation. No other subject affects our future more than than salvation. Every other decision that you ever make in life will always be secondary and less important than the decision of accepting the gift of salvation. What spouse you marry, what college you attend, what career you pursue, all are less important than accepting the gift of salvation. It is laid out here 
that there is a pastoral desire for everyone to be saved. Paul is writing as a pastor here when he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for Israel that they might be saved. In fact, what he was doing was following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ himself. For Christ's ultimate mission, according to 1 Timothy 1.15, was to come into the world to save sinners. Jesus himself said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. His very name represented his mission on the earth. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Salvation was the purpose of Jesus coming to this earth. In John 12, 47, he said, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He did not come with political agendas or, or earthly kingdoms or seeking fame and prestige. He came for the express and sole purpose to provide the gift of salvation. Now in three times he is called a shepherd in the word of God. He's called in one place the good shepherd. Then he is called the great shepherd. And then in another place he's called the chief shepherd. And I would submit to you today that you are his flock. He is your shepherd today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, praise the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that I just simply serve as an under shepherd to the good, the great, and the chief shepherd. So if Pastor Jones is worth his salt today in kingdom ministry, then my desire must be Paul's desire. And Paul's desire was the Lord's desire. And so my heart's desire for you today, more than anything else in this world, is that you might be saved. Well, praise the Lord. Let me give you some facts about salvation. Salvation is the only remedy for sin. You remain in sin, you are helpless. If you remain in sin, you are hopeless. You have no life now, and you have no future tomorrow. But the good news is, is that if you accept the gift of salvation, it will give you freedom from your past. It will give you victory over sin in your life presently. And it will give you hope to escape from sin's reward, which is hell, the lake of fire. I'm here to preach today that salvation wasn't a quick fix, a band-aid for a sudden problem. It was a premeditated plan of God fulfilled filled in Jesus Christ to redeem fallen man from his sin. I want to stand and publicly declare that more than any other blessing the Lord has ever blessed me with, I am thankful today that I am saved and on my way to heaven. Well, praise the Lord. If he doesn't provide another monetary blessing, if he doesn't heal me with another miracle, here's the great truth. The great truth is he did the greatest thing for me the day that I knelt at an old-fashioned altar of prayer and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. That was the greatest miracle of all. And everything else pales in comparison. Thank God I'm saved. Well, praise the Lord. If you become a Christian today, you will be free from sin. You will be free from hell. You will have a perfect stand with God through Christ. You will have an intimate relationship with the one who delivers you. 
And so as your pastor, I pray more than anything else that you will accept and retain the gift of salvation. And let me just talk to the Pulaski Church of God as a whole because I believe our future is bigger than we can dream. I believe our future is greater than we can imagine. But I want to say this and I want to say it boldly and publicly that we can build the tall buildings and we can become socially acceptable in the community and we can establish a name because of numerical or financial success. But if we fail to see people saved in our altars, we have wasted our time and God's time. We can have a good name in the town and still have a bad name in heaven more than anything else. I don't want to be politically correct. I'm not interested in being the largest group around. What I want people to know about Pulaski Church of God more than anything else is that's where people find peace with God through Jesus Christ, the Savior and the Lord. God's placed me here. To watch over your souls. And so with that, more than your good health and your good wealth and your good social standing, I must be burdened for your souls. It must not just be a thought in a sermon or a passing contemplation or a conversation piece. It must be an impassioned prayer unto the Lord. You look back in, in great heroes of the Bible and you find out about what a passionate pastor prays. For example, when Moses said, Lord, if you're going to destroy this people that you have called me to lead out of Egypt, then I would just as soon you blot my own name out of the book of life. A pastoral plea like Jeremiah when he was so burdened for the lost nation that he said, oh, I wish I could weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Paul even wrote in a different place. He said, I wish I could be accursed so that my people would find a relationship with God. I'm telling you today, if you're here and you have voids and emptiness and you're hungry and zealous for a relationship with God, I want you today to accept the gift of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. You don't have another day to waste. You don't have another hour to think about it. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming after a bride without spot and without blemish. And it's my prayer today as your shepherd that every single soul under the sound of my voice would accept and retain the gift of eternal life. You say, well, how do I become a Christian? How do I accept salvation? Well, let me tell you a story. There was a Roman soldier in the Word of God who asked this question at a crucial time in his life. His soul was agitated. Brother Gene, his soul was guilty of sin. Sister Susan, he was troubled. He was even suicidal. And he asked Paul and Silas the question, what must I do to be saved? And they gave him the answer. And the answer is this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. He believed and he received his peace. Let me just say to you, if you're here this morning, you cannot buy this gift of salvation. 
You cannot bargain with God over this gift of eternal life. You can't say, I'm going to quit doing this and avoid doing this. You think you can earn enough brownie points with God to let you in. As a matter of fact, one man in the New Testament thought he could buy the gift of God. And Peter told him, your money perished with you because you thought you could buy the gifts from God. Friend, you don't have enough money. You cannot do enough good deeds. You cannot have a well enough known name in the community. But that is the beauty of it. It is the gift of God. I'm telling you, if someone left you millions, you couldn't buy your salvation. If the Federal Reserve called you tomorrow and said, oh, the president has made a decision to empty all of the Federal Reserve into your checking and savings account, it would not be enough to buy your salvation. You may be here and you say, okay, well then how can I be saved? First, like the soldier, you must believe. In Romans 10, 9, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. What does that mean? It means you believe in the culmination of his redemptive work. It means you believe that he came to earth. It means you believe that he, he died on a cross to pay for and to cover all of your sins. It means you believe that on the third day he arose from the dead victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Oh, I feel a shout coming on. I'm telling you, it's all about believing, but it doesn't end with believing because you go from believing to confessing. Romans 10, 9 says you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. When you confess, that means you profess our agreement with what God holds to be true. When you confess to God, you are saying to uh, God and to others, I am lost. I have sin. I need a savior. I need a change of heart. So let me tell you how it works. Believing is the internal and confessing is the external. Both must be present for the work of salvation to be complete. Oh, is there any church folks in the house helping me preach this morning? I'm telling you, you got to believe in your heart and you have to confess with your mouth. Well, let me talk to you a little bit about that public confession. It means uh, when you come to the altar, that's a public confession. That's why we give invitations in the church today. I still believe in the altar call. I believe that when you go to the altar, God alters your life. Oh, let me tell you, oh, I feel a mean spirit coming on here. I feel a meddling spirit coming on here. I'm telling you, when you make a confession of Christ, you've got to be willing to step out and say, I'm laying the misery behind. I'm laying the shame behind. I need to be delivered and set free. Part of my public confession is, it doesn't matter who sees me go, I've got to find peace with Jesus. It also means you get water baptized. That's part of the public confession. We still believe in water baptism, amen? It means you tell everyone that you're saved. Hello? Christians are supposed to tell other people that they are Christians. Y'all smile at me now. I dare say that there may be some present here today who portray Christ on Sunday but at no other time. And I'm telling you right now, secret discipleship will lead to no discipleship. You can't keep this treasure buried 
but for so long. You can't keep this pearl of great price uh, hidden under a bush, but so long. I'm telling you, I believe that's why the writer said it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's why it says that, therefore, with joy, we, we draw water from the wells of salvation. In other words, everyone we come in contact with knows. In fact, they really ought to know before we ever open our mouth. They ought to see it on our countenance. They ought to see it in our singing. They ought to hear it in our humming. They ought to see it on our countenance. There's something different about that person. I'll tell you what's different about it. They were lost in sin, but one day they knelt and asked Jesus to come into their heart. They're no longer that old creature, but they're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, let me just go further here. Because we are living in a church culture that is watering down the grace of God and diluting down the Word of God. But lest anybody be confused, no matter what your favorite TV preacher is advocating, this Word is eternally settled in heaven. So for a few moments, let me just talk to you about not just getting saved, but staying saved. Pastor, can I lose my salvation? If you're not willing to protect that salvation, you'll lose that salvation. All throughout the scripture, losing salvation is addressed. Proverbs 14 and 14, the backslider in his heart shall be filled with his own ways. Verse 3 of the scripture text today tells us, talks about those that, that go about to establish their own righteousness. I'm telling you, verse 3, if there's ever a verse that's describing church culture today, verse 3 is describing this day. They're establishing their own righteousness because they refuse to submit to the righteousness of God. <laughs> oh, he's only been here three weeks. He's already getting kind of meddlesome. <laughs> the scripture likens it to a dog returning to his vomit or a pig, a washed down pig. As soon as you let them out, that carnal nature that they were created with will return them to their mud pen. Jesus said that backsliding would be really bad in the last days. And I believe that it's bad in the Christian community. I believe it's bad. It's an epidemic in the church culture. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, 12, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And many professing believers have bought into this cheap grace and somehow believe that their heart is right. You may be here this morning and you say, well, pastor, how do I protect and maintain my salvation? Well, if you are saved, and I mean really saved, then you're going to produce fruit that has come from your repentance. You're going to produce fruit 
John the Baptist told the people that wanted to be saved, produce fruit in keeping with your repentance. Well, what exactly did he mean? They asked him how. What do you mean by that? Well, he looked at some of them that were stingy, and he said, if you have two coats, give one away. He looked at some that were greedy tax collectors, and he said, don't collect more than you are supposed to. And then he looked at judgmental soldiers and he said, don't you accuse people falsely and don't you extort money. In other words, there will be definitive external signs, external signs of an internal salvation. Oh, Lord, help me here. People, I'm going to say it again. People that are saved are new creatures in Christ. New creatures act different than old creatures. It means when you get saved, if you're sleeping with someone, when you're saved, someone moves out until you get married. Hello? If your bed is defiled because of fornication or adultery, you simply are not right with God. I had a girl several years ago that was part of a particular faith, and she told me she was on the verge of committing adultery with someone else in the workplace. And we began to have a discussion, and I told her, I said, Annette, if you commit this sin and the Lord comes, you will not be raptured out of a bed of adultery. She honestly believed that the Lord would... I'm telling you the scripture is very clear that fornicators and adulterers and all those that are involved in wicked behavior will not inherit the kingdom of God it doesn't matter what you profess it matters what you possess in the eyes of God if you're cheating on your taxes when you're saved you wrong the right Y'all going to get quiet on me. I feel it coming. If you're social drinking or sucking on nicotine or any other harmful substance that you bring into your body, when you're saved, you make a determination that with God's help, you're going to lay it down. When you're saved, pornography is laid down. When you're saved, the gossiping stops. When you're saved, lying about your friends ceases. Foul language is done away with when you are saved. When you're saved, you come to church not just because your pastor asked you to, not just because you are a ministry leader, or because you want to play on the softball team. When you're saved, you don't come to church even because the Bible commands you to. When you're saved, you come to church because you love Jesus. And that's your number one reason for being in the house of God. When you're saved, you give the first tenth of your income to the Lord's work. And you do it cheerfully. The list goes on. In other words, you do what John the Baptist talked about. You produce fruit from your repentance. See, God didn't call you to become a convert just to give you some kind of fire escape Christianity. He called you to be a disciple. He didn't call you to be a pew warmer, but to be a fruit bearer. There are many that, 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 are, that are converts and onlookers who desire the benefits and blessings, but they lack endurance. They lack commitment and consecration, and they eventually... Fade away.
we say, well, I'm already saved. Well, you needed to be reminded to guard your heart with all diligence. For out of your heart flow the issues of life. And there's a target on your back. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He's after you. He's after you. He's after me. But maybe you're here today and maybe you've never made a commitment of faith. Never have you prayed the simple prayer. And today the the music, the word is there's something capturing your heart. It's called conviction. It's a beautiful thing. Anybody else here thankful for conviction? If you're here and you're lost, all these people around you that profess Christ, that have the treasure of eternal life, they are people that were one time where you are. And the Holy Spirit convicted them, told them of their need of a Savior who loved them unconditionally. But I dare say that there may be some folks in this room that the truth of the matter is you've gotten, you've allowed this watered down grace to permeate your outlook and perspective. And God has put a roadblock in your path today. And you haven't been holding on with a great grip to your eternal life, your salvation. And you've allowed the world and the world's ideas and ways to get in. Ah, it's really not that bad. It's really not that serious. Pastor, you just need to lighten up. This is the 21st century. It's the 21st century where we serve a God who says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I do not change. We started out this service lifting our hands and singing holy to the Lord. And yet the scripture asks the question, who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who hath clean hands and a pure heart. I got serious with God when I was about 19 years old. So somewhere around 32 years ago, I've been on this journey, but I'm telling you there are many times, Pastor Tony, that I still find myself praying like Psalm 51, like David. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Sister Coke, I still find my saying, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there is any wicked way inside of me and lead me in the way everlasting. No one is exempt from the temptations and snares of the enemy to cause you to stumble and lose that pearl of great price. My God, would you bow your heads with me?
just as I am. I know I'm asking on the fly, just as I am, Pastor Tony. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and I will not embarrass a soul in this room, but I do ask you to be reverent. Please curtail the moving around just for a few moments. If you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, my heart is not right with Jesus. I have thoughts that I think. I have words that I say. I have deeds that I do. My life is not where it should be with the Lord. And you would say today, I need prayer. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up, put it right back down. Just slide it up, put it right back down. Would you do that? I appreciate that hand. I appreciate that hand. Is there others? God knows my heart more than anyone. I appreciate that hand. Anyone else? Things are just not where they should be. I bless that hand. God bless that hand. How about it, young people? Everybody at church, God bless that hand. Everybody at church thinks, perceives, has an impression that your heart is right. But you and God know that there are some things you need to pray about. There are some things you need to repent over. There are some things you need to put under the blood. You that raised your hand, and maybe if you didn't, I'm going to invite you to meet me up here. Just get out from where you are. Your eternity is not worth you worrying about what anybody in this room thinks. Do you need prayer? You just want prayer. There's not a person in this room that has a right to judge anyone. We're all saved by grace. (laughs) 